grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the gospel reading, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, especially these words. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we just heard in the Old Testament reading, Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel. Maybe you remember it from Sunday school, maybe not. We just heard it a few moments ago. What's the big deal with Cain and Abel? Well, if you were listening, Cain killed Abel. Why? Did you hear why? Why was say, Cain so ticked off to the point of wanting to murder his brother? Well, they all offered sacrifices to the Lord. And God accepted Abel's offering, his sacrifice, and God rejected Cain's offering, Cain's sacrifice. Cain and Abel were farmers. Cain was a grain farmer. Abel was a livestock farmer. If you look at it wrongly, you may think God loves livestock farmers and hates grain farmers. That would be a wrong way to read Genesis chapter 4. Others will say, well, Abel gave the best and Cain gave the leftovers. It's a very common, very popular way of looking at the account of Cain and Abel. It's only one problem. The words that we just read don't exactly say that, and it wouldn't make sense anyway. If Cain offered like rotten fruits and vegetables to God as an offering, and God rejected it, he wouldn't be mad at Abel, he wouldn't be mad at God, he'd be mad at himself. No, Cain gave his best. Cain gave his best, and God rejected it. And his best was not good enough. My friends, today as we examine this marvelous little parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, I would submit to you that I think Jesus tells this parable as a commentary, at least in part, over Cain and Abel. We have a Pharisee and a tax collector. When you hear the word Pharisee with your Christian ears, immediately you think of something negative. Oh yeah, you don't want to be a Pharisee. It hasn't always been that way. The Pharisee is the good guy. You hear that? The Pharisee is the good guy. He's the pious guy. He's the guy you want living next door to you for your neighbor. He pays his taxes. He mows his lawn. 
He doesn't cheat on his wife. He's a good guy. You want him as a member of the congregation. He's a good giver. The Pharisee is a good guy. The tax collector is a scoundrel. He's a scumbag. Pharisees were always the model citizens and model church people. The tax collectors, well, they're traitors. They work for the government. They work for a different government, a foreign government. Oh, they have a job to do. They collect taxes. And legally, they can charge as much as they want for interest. And they took full advantage of that. They padded their pockets. They extorted money out of people. They were as despised as you could possibly get. When Jesus tells this parable, there is no greater chasm between well-respected people and people that you hated, loathed, than the Pharisee and the tax collector. That's the whole point. Pastor Morundi always used to say that in every parable, there's a point where there's a surprise. There's a shock. There's an aha moment. The shock, the surprise, the aha moment is that the tax collector, the scumbag, goes home justified, declared righteous. And the good guy, the pious guy, the guy who's always in church, the good giver, the one who serves on every board and committee, he goes home not justified. How can this be? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Why was Cain's offering rejected and Abel's offering accepted by God? Hebrews 11 tells us. Abel had faith. Cain did not. It had nothing to do with livestock or grain. It had nothing to do with the fat portions or the leftovers. Abel had faith. Cain had a different faith. Faith in himself. Just like the Pharisee. My friends, we look at this text and the point is not, okay, be like the tax collector. Go out, lie and cheat and steal and extort, and, and God will love you and forgive you anyway. No! The point is not, well, don't be a Pharisee, so don't be a good guy, don't cheat, don't be a good giver, have lots of affairs on your wife. No! Those are all good things. The problem with the pious life of the Pharisee is that he trusted those things. He trusted them for his salvation. 
Jesus tells us very clearly. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. The two go hand in hand. The two go hand in hand. When you trust in yourself for your righteousness, when you self-justify, you will always look down on others. You will always try to find someone who's a bigger sinner than you to puff yourself up and make yourself feel good. Self-justification always leads to contempt of others. Oh, you see those people over there. They're in church all the time. Who do they think they are? I, I'll bet there's something going on behind the scenes there. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why is it so hard for us to rejoice in other people's successes? Why is it so hard for us to feel sorry for or want to help when other people have difficulties? I'll tell you why. Because we're so busy justifying ourselves and looking for ways to make ourselves righteous that we don't have time to show love and care and compassion and concern for others. Self-justification, self-righteousness always leads to looking down on others, to treating others with contempt. It's a natural fruit. When Jesus told this parable, I guarantee you, the hearers thought that the last person in the world who would go home unjustified, unrighteous, was the Pharisee. If the Pharisee's not righteous, who could be? That was the shock. That was the surprise. The Pharisee is the last person people expect to go home unjustified. So, let's try it today. Who is the last person you expect to go home unjustified? Well, you might think of certain pious people you know. If you, have a, if you have a pious grandmother, that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind. Somebody that you respect, former pastor, Sunday school teacher. Who's the last person you expect to go home unjustified? I'll tell you who mine is, me, me. And if you're honest, you know you can say the same thing. We always think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We always find the 
the speck in somebody else's eye and don't pay any attention to the log in our own eye. When somebody comes to us with a care or a concern, we make excuses. We might get angry. When someone comes to us with genuine care and concern over a sin that we have fallen into, what do we do? Do we humble ourselves and listen to them? No. Usually we get ticked off. Why? We're already righteous. We don't need any help. My friends, today, God's Word is teaching us a marvelous lesson. The tax collector is the last person in the world the people expected to go home justified, declared righteous. There's no bigger sinner than a tax collector in all of Scripture. So, what's going on here? The tax collector is not justified or declared righteous only because he confesses his sin. No, there's more to it than that. The tax collector says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He does not use the normal word for mercy, which is, take it easy on me. Don't give me what I deserve. No, he uses a special and unique word here. He uses a technical term here. And the term literally means propitiation. You hear that once in a while in church. Today, go home understanding this word, propitiation. It means blood sacrifice. It means blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. All of the sacrifices in the temple, the sheep, the goats, the bulls, the pigeons, the doves, all of these sacrifices were blood sacrifice. The blood flowed. And yet that blood the blood of bulls and goats, didn't forgive any sin. It pointed forward to the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, that takes away the sin of the world. Did you hear that? Takes away the sin of the world. Are you a part of the world? Well, of course you are. Then this propitiation, this blood sacrifice takes away your sin. Here's how the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom He put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. There's no difference. We've all sinned. We all deserve hell. Pharisee and publican, tax collector alike. Cain, Abel alike. There's no difference. There's no difference. For all have been freely justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Cain, Abel, Pharisee, tax collector, you, me, Jesus has offered up His body, His blood, His life as a propitiation for your sin. But it's not only for your sin. 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's God's desire. He wants you to be holy. Don't sin. Lead a holy life. Be perfect as I, the Lord your God, am perfect. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ is the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. All sin for all people for all time has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. The tragedy of the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector is that the same blood that covered over the tax collector and sent him home justified, righteous, forgiven was there for the Pharisee. And he didn't want it. He said, I'll do it myself. He said, I have better words and justification and righteousness than God. I don't need it. My friends, today, God's word before us in this, in this marvelous little parable is calling us to examine ourselves. Of course, there are times when we act like the Pharisee. And of course, there are times when we are big scumbags like the tax collector. The text, the parable, isn't so much about the Pharisee and the tax collector, as it is about the love and mercy of God for sinners like you and me. You have been propitiated, atoned for, declared righteous by the perfect life, bloody death, and glorious resurrection of Jesus. 
This propitiation has been delivered to you as it was for little Hannah just a few minutes ago in the waters of holy baptism. You have been robed with the righteousness of Christ. It is yours, full and free. God promises that He will not leave you or forsake you or abandon you. When you fall into sin, either the pharisaical sin or the tax collector type sin, when you fall into sin, the blood of Jesus is there for forgiveness, life, and salvation. We need it every day. That's why we long to hear the word of Christ. That's why we long to feast on his body and blood. And there is a fruit, a fruit that flows and blossoms and grows when this propitiation is yours. The fruit of self-justification is holding other people in contempt, remember? The fruit of the propitiation of your sins is peace. You're at peace with God. You're at peace with yourself. So you can strive to live at peace with one another. The fruit of propitiation is love. You're not so busy loving yourself, you actually notice the needs of others. And you can love them in the same way that God in Christ has loved you. You're content knowing that God has given you the greatest gift in the history of the world, His Son. You don't need to strive after stuff or God's love and attention. You already have it. And my friends, perhaps most of all is this love and peace and contentment that flows from a courage that God has given us. A courage that no matter how big, how great, how offensive, how shameful the guilt and the shame is that we are carrying around. We have the confidence to go to God because the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ is for all sin. My friends, today, very soon, you're going to go home. By the blood of Jesus Christ, you go home justified. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our righteousness in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.